the mantra is stop chasing leads mm -hmm. because it's better for the lead and you. This is Stay Paid, a sales and marketing podcast on a mission to help you close more deals and retain more business. Welcome to another episode of Stay Paid. I'm Joshua Stike along with Luke Akery. And before we bring on our guest today, we'd love it if you take a minute to subscribe to Stay Paid on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you're not already and while you're there, drop us a review to let us know how we're doing. We'll read it here on the show. Our guest today, I'm super excited about having uh, this guy on the podcast. He really needs no introduction if you've been in marketing or real estate for any amount of time. Chris Smith is his name. He is the co-founder of Curator, an Inc. 500 fastest growing businesses and one of the four best marketers under 40, according to the American Marketing Association. His book, The Conversion Code, is taught at colleges like John Hopkins University, and he has been a guest lecturer at NYU. Chris used the blueprint in his book to quickly grow his own company to eight figures in annual recurring revenue without raising any venture capital. His work has been featured in Adweek, Forbes, Fortune, and many other publications. His first book, People Work, and I realize this, received an endorsement from the CEO of Zappos and Gary Vee, who also wrote the forward. Chris, welcome to Stay Paid. What's up, man? Thank you. I appreciate it. I love your podcast. I listened to a few episodes to prep. Awesome. And uh, what is this? Episode 8004? <laughs> yeah. We're, 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 we're going to get there. Yeah. That's, I mean, we're not going to experience pie. I think fate maybe now. once we hit the four, four digits, we'll drop the numbers. Right. Yeah. That's kind of, that's kind of what everyone does. I mean, drop the numbers. Yeah. <laughs> now, man, super excited to have you on. I mentioned before you came on, we've been following you forever. I've loved your content. We had the awesome opportunity to interview Jimmy and now to get to interview you is a real privilege. What I love about you, man, that I feel is missing and missing in the marketing world is so many marketers, they don't respect sales. They don't respect the calling side. They don't respect the closing side. That's just how I feel. Now, Josh and I are both sales and marketing guys. And like you, I grew up in a you know boiler room type, cold calling, all mm -hmm. that stuff. And you just bring both sides of the equation. You bring the sales side and the marketing brain, which is why mm -hmm. I think your stuff is so relevant and so awesome. I'd love for you to just to share a little bit of your journey for the audience, maybe who doesn't know who you are, which is probably a few, just a slim yeah. few. Uh, but if you could share your story and just what led you to where you're at and writing the book and now, you know, redoing it, basically. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, like you said, I'm from the boiler room. You know, I was like everybody else, broke, out of, of a, out of a job, no money, you know, so back at my parents' couch. And there was a guy hiring salespeople in Orlando, and his name was Lou Perlman. And he was very famous uh, at the time. He was the guy that discovered NSYNC, Backstreet, Britney, pop culture icon, multi-billionaire. And he, before American Idol, before social media, before really the mainstream internet that we know today, he was doing event vacations where you came to Orlando to basically get in front of him to sing. Hmm. So, and, it, and you paid 1200 bucks or six payments to 200 bucks. There's like 10,000 people at each event and there's talent agents from the industry. And the, the, it was shady. It was shady as it really was. <laughs> Because, and I'll tell you the shady part. The shady part, and they went to jail for telemarketing fraud in the 80s. I didn't know that when I took the job. Mm. But the, the, the shady part was basically that they didn't care if you could sing. 
number one. So hmm. you didn't have to have any talent. There was, you didn't have to basically say, I'm good at this or sing over the phone or submit your demo. There was zero vetting. And the talk track was, hey, you're going to you know, be in front of talent agents. I'm not a talent agent. I'm just a phone guy. You know, I'm just a customer service. So that was number one. Number two, most people could not afford $1,200, but many people could afford $200. The catch was that if you don't pay the entire $1,200, you don't actually have the ticket and you can't come to the event. And I can't imagine how many people they got 200 from and nothing else ever again, pure profit. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I didn't know all this. I got into sales. It was like, uh, these guys were like Jordan Belfort, the Wolf of Wall Street. This was Boiler Room. This was Glengarry, Glenn Ross. This was that quality of coaching, training, tactics. And beyond that, I've just used that sort of knowledge for good, like doing mortgages for Rocket Mortgage slash Quicken Loans and selling software for Dotloop and selling marketing services for Curator and, you know, selling the books. Like, so the the pitch and the tactics in the book came from the billion dollar boiler room. Um, and people hate salespeople, to be clear. They do. <laughs> they think we're sleazy and this is why, because of stuff like this. Um, and, but then you're right. Like when you're in that cubicle dialing for dollars and trying to make money to feed your family and many of my jobs had no base, you know, just sort of commission only, uh, you really quickly, uh, want to make sure that the leads are legit, you know? Mm -hmm. And so Quicken Loans and the other company, Lou Perlman's company, you know, they were serving up enough leads that were good enough to get the job done. They had enough people doing the job to see the numbers. And so I got into marketing thinking that like, if you're going to send somebody a hundred leads, it's okay if 99 suck, mm. but one has to not. <laughs> and it takes five conversations to get to the two appointments, to get to the one customer. Like right. I, I just sort of like, that was my job for years. Mm -hmm. So what I saw in real estate, fast forward to marketing, landing pages, social, lead gen, Google ads, Facebook ads, listing promotions, you know, they're basically in that world now too. And they, they kind of got lost because it was like this relationship, nurture, client focused, past client referral business. All of a sudden, realtors are having funnels built for them, quite frankly, by the Boomtowns, Commissions Inc., curators yep. of the world. And they quickly realized like, oh, that's not the hard part. The hard part is the getting them to answer, getting them to hear you out, getting them to book an appointment, getting them to show up to the appointment. And I had just done that for so long that I, I was like, oh, I can teach that part. Like, I didn't know anybody cared about that sleazy stuff, <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, so just great experience doing marketing, great experience doing sales, loving the whole journey. And so when I'm doing marketing and advertising, I want to make sure whoever's in the cubicle that gets the leads has a fighting chance. Yeah. You know, and when I'm when I'm in when I'm selling, I want to give each lead a fighting chance. I don't want to, you know, just blame the that the leads are weak. Yeah. You know, I, I'm willing to say I'm weak, which that would be scripts, dialogues, you know, yeah. sales talk tactics uh that I that I know inside and out. So I, I'm excited to go deep with you guys because you guys say you love it too. I think it's rare that people actually love and are good at sales and marketing. I think it's almost right and left brain. 
I, I think it's completely different mm-hmm. skill set to be good at both. One or the other is typically where people gravitate. So if you guys are having success with your show and I'm having success with my book, I think it is because there's this like smaller subset of people that truly know and love both. Mm -hmm. But in most cases, marketers would not convert the leads that they generated. And if sales had to generate leads, they'd be skinnier than they are. (laughs) You know, it's so true, man. Yeah. I'd like um, for the longest time. And Josh and I always talked about this for our own company. It was just like, we just want to be a company that, doesn't you see these companies and they abandoned all cold calling and all trying to get good at phone sales to go after mm-hmm. just all inbound, right? Which I love mm-hmm. inbound. You want inbound, you want people signing up online. And then you have companies that just do the cold calling. They have no, they don't have any social media presence. They're not doing any yep. content marketing or anything like that. But if you can blend both worlds, that is where the magic happens. But like you mm-hmm. said, so few people do it. So yeah. few people. Yeah. It's inbound marketing with outbound sales. That's the way we try to describe it quickly. The the reality is that both are harder than they sound. Yeah. So bring us up to today. I mean, what is the biggest challenges in sales and marketing? Because I know when I first read your book, it was when Mm -hmm. I had moved over from like the creative side within the organization, kind of being more the creative director. And then Mm -hmm. Luke asked me, hey, to be the VP of marketing here. And so I'm like, all right, well, I got to figure out what marketing even is and what it means. Your Mm -hmm. book was one of the, I would say, three books that I remember reading then, uh, that along with Millionaire Real Estate Agent and Building a Story Brand by Donald Miller that really stood mm-hmm. out to me and made, it, made me realize, okay, this can be a math problem, right? Mm-hmm. But then there's also what we're talking about here with the sales side of it. It actually made me kind of respect the sales, especially listening to your audiobook because I could hear you doing your pitches in your audiobook. Right. So bring yeah. us up to today. What is it? Six, seven mm-hmm. years later. What's the biggest challenge that, that uh, you're seeing in sales and marketing now? Yeah, Apple is the shortest answer I could give. <laughs> yeah. What they are doing to user tracking, what they are doing to allow you know cookies in an app, that sort of represents this greater consumer privacy empowerment yep. movement. And so these tried and true things like knowing what people are doing on your website, knowing which emails they're opening and clicking, you know, these are really important things for marketers. And it's sort of getting peeled back each day. You know, you go to a website, hey, do you want cookies? 89% say no. Mm. When they don't say no, they don't say yes. 11% say yes. 89% either ignore it. So explain to everybody listening, like, what does that mean? From a from like a result standpoint, if only eleven people are saying yes, what are you no longer able to do today? So for, so those other eighty nine percent of people, I could not track what they were doing on my website and then feed that data back into the CRM to the sales team, mm. unless they explicitly say yes, you can put a cookie and track what I do. So that and retargeting, by the way. <laughs> so it's sort of the like getting retargeting or user tracking properly now. There's a myth because this is GDPR, which is European legislation, but lots of businesses have website traffic from Europe. And so they do the disclaimer. People should learn more about that. There's way too many websites that don't need the disclaimer. If you're a local realtor, most likely you don't even need the disclaimer because you're not trying to cookie and track people coming in from France, if you will. But Facebook changed all the targeting options. That changed. you can't, uh, by the way, in a mobile app, if you ask to allow to track, 96% <laughs> say no. So it's even higher. Yeah. I even click so it's no. Just and this, I'm a marketer. It's just I understand this, the value of it. And I, I click no. 
Exactly. And I like, but maybe if it's relevant, you might click yes. But, and then if the brand is trusted, that helps too. Certainly like in the research, mm-hmm. having a brand that people know is super helpful. But the overall thing that happens is everything that we just talked about leads to distrust and it leads to people not wanting to answer their phone. Six years ago, your phone didn't actually say suspected spam. Spam, right. Six years ago, you didn't even, it didn't say silence, possible junk. Mm. That's new. That's a, that is the government, the FCC telling the government, telling every carrier, like, you have to do that. It's getting out of control. Four billion robocalls a month, almost 200 robocalls per year per phone. So that's annoying. And you end up on text messages list. How about email spam? People are sick of it. So the new book is me going, you know what? I don't chase leads. I don't have to call someone five, six times. And hopefully they pick up because I'm doing legit inbound personal brand, content marketing, showing my expertise, books, blogs, podcasts. Like I said, that part's hard, mm-hmm. but that's what I do. And the, and the sort of new world that unlocks is that you don't have to chase leads. So the, the mantra is stop chasing leads mm-hmm. because it's better for the lead and you. We don't want to chase people down. We don't have to call within 30 seconds of the lead or someone else gets it. And people don't want to be chased down. So if let's figure that out. That's what the new book's about. Like, so it's almost like where before you were saying sales and marketing, yep. yeah. like in the back end, I'm saying no, the front end the consumer experience with the marketing, with the sales, that has to improve. Do you find like trying to, you know, go down maybe a road tactically? I know one of the chapters in your book is about how do you attract high quality leads using like an Mm -hmm. Instagram, right? Mm -hmm. Is the name of the game today in your mind, building a brand through content-based marketing, authority-based marketing, and, and trying to get people to raise their hand over time? Or like where's the balance between the offensive outreach and the kind of passive waiting? If you know what I mean, it's like there's the billboard and then there's the cold call to the actual house. Where do you find that balance from, you know, a content standpoint and using maybe Instagram as an example of how to do it well? Yeah, well, I think our everybody's favorite mentor, Gary Vee, had it right, you know, years ago with jab, 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 right hook. It's, you know what you guys said, prove your expertise, be as helpful as possible. I think where a lot of people miss, Luke, is they look at like, what industry am I in? Okay, they don't really want to do videos about that. If you look at their natural feed, like what they naturally post, it's family stuff, it's vacation stuff. It's, It's not sort of the five things sellers should know in this crazy market. So I think when people sort of try to do that and that's not truly what they're an expert at it comes across as such when they do content whether it's around their passion or their industry and they are an expert it's also very obvious very quickly mm-hmm. so, you know just there, there's there's pro and amateur stuff that you see written instagram youtube across the board most of the content's terrible so it's kind of easy to stand out but where i where i would go is if what you are really, really good at and like what you're putting content out, if, the, if there's a disconnect from what you do and sell, you'll probably always sort of be a disbeliever. And even if you try, it won't help that much. If you're 
my sales and marketing knowledge is directly related to what I sell at Curator. We have, you know, hey, I know all this stuff. Hire my company to help you with all this stuff. It's like a direct line. Mm. Um, when Glenda Baker is on TikTok and when she is just going off on reels, you mentioned Instagram, and she's going off talking about these war stories and these negotiations and this NBA player she worked with, like she's an expert at what she does. Mm-hmm. When you when you can figure that out, then you're in a good spot. You'll never ask the question you ask. So How do you turn that corner? Because you don't have to turn the corner, but there's really cool ways to. DM me this to get this comment this and I'll send you this like all that stuff works man the 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 Instagram centric and this is a big lesson in the book social media calls to action social media as the KPI video view comment like yank the link clicks out of there right mm. yank the like go to my website as the goal go to my landing page yeah, forget you're that taking them off the platform Pre- right pretend you yeah. can keep them there and still do cool stuff because you can because mm. if somebody interacts with one of your posts that's an audience for your next post anyway so you can actually move people through the funnel without ever even putting them into it if you if you use things like instagram people who visited my profile People who saved one of my posts that I made, people that followed me, people that like my post, those are great audiences. They're just smaller than what we typically want, uh, which becomes a challenge. But my favorite platform is Instagram. I think it kind of best represents all generations mm-hmm. and media. So the pictures really matter, but qu- tweets do really good there. And then you reels are really good there That's and so stories true. are really good there and old people like it and young people <laughs> like it. You see what I'm young saying? That like one it, yeah. to me is sort of what Facebook was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, talk about, cause you mentioned Glenda Baker and obviously she's absolutely mm-hmm. killing it on TikTok. We slept on TikTok for so long. <laughs> yeah. Said, Hey, we should be doing TikTok. We should be doing TikTok. Posted a, like, what was it? Our third video, maybe fourth video on TikTok got a million views, right? That's, that's wow. the most engagement we've ever seen, I think, yeah. on the social media. And it wasn't dancing. And it wasn't even <laughs> we, dancing. And that's why we weren't yeah. doing it. We thought, oh, we had to dance. We can't dance. We <laughs> yeah. tried one dancing video. That got three views. <laughs> but what is, um, what's the value of TikTok right now? Like, do you see that being the next platform coming in? Is it just another piece? Should everyone be on TikTok producing content? And does it need to be different than Instagram? Like, what's sort of your ideas there? Yeah, that's a tricky one. But the, the dopamine that you got from the million views, I bet oh, that wasn't so- your last post, you know, and what people are kind of trying to find is this little sweet spot where it's like their thing. That, that, that to me is where TikTok does really well. Glenda Baker found her thing, a guy sitting at the table with her yep. telling stories from the trenches. That is her thing. You see it in the feed, you know exactly what it is the second that you see it, which is great. There's obviously lots of other creators that have figured that out too. Um, I think vertical short video is the most important type of content on the internet right now for two big reasons. Number one, it's people's favorite type of content to consume. Number two, it's the social network's favorite content to send out organically. The combination of those two things is deadly. I'm in the same boat as you guys. I got 130,000 views on a TikTok about a trick my daughter showed me with her iPhone and a text messaging trick. And I have 3,000 followers. Yeah, it's crazy. You know, how many followers did you guys have when you got the Millie? Uh, we had, no joke, 
24 <laughs> followers. Yeah, we had just. Yeah. <laughs> and now we have almost 25,000 in a crazy. couple of months. It's, it's insane. So, yeah. The challenge it's that we crazy. have right now, Chris, and maybe, maybe you can speak to this too, or we can um, go back and forth. Like what we're trying to figure out is the views and the comments and the interactions that we got aren't necessarily the people that we would consider our mm-hmm. ideal audience or our target audience because the the video is very motivational. So it's pulling yeah. in all kinds of different people sure. from a motivational standpoint. Mm-hmm. Is, is it okay to like getting that much traffic and attention? Is it mm-hmm. worth doing more kind of videos that don't necessarily fit your core audience or should you niche down extremely tight to ultimately do what we started talking about here, which is get those leads from a new source? Yeah, I think you can niche down if you mean sort of locally, like versus, you know, in, in the real estate age, a lot of, I mean, a lot of mortgages are being written written nationally. But mm-hmm. if you're trying to, number one, what blew up nationally, put it in a local campaign. That's a very simple one. Mm-hmm. So take your million views and then go put that into a Spark ad. That's what it's called. And then you could just hit the dots, dude. Three mm. dots on TikTok, promote. They're making it easy. They are. Yeah. So I would do that. And then you can choose your city name or you could choose your industry or you could choose whatever filters you guys are allowed to choose. I don't have the restrictions that mm. realtors and loan officers have. If you do, you know, follow the rules. But that would be one way to ensure your following is hyper-local. TikTok ad, goal of followers, you can target TikTok ads by people that are most likely to watch the whole thing, most likely to leave a comment or to heart it. It's insanely cool. So that would be one way. The other way would be, what is the thing that did big nationally? You said it was some type of motivational. Yeah, it was a um, motivational kind of, you know, if you're in a rut, you know, get up, here's what you need to do. And, you know, just gave some motivational stuff. Yeah, so with the, I'm just thinking out loud, just kind of brainstorming here. But like, what about like, if you live in Charlotte and you're in a rut? Mm. Or with this, would be do? we would focus on real estate, like to try and draw in more real estate agents to our content. Maybe, maybe focus specifically on a rut in your business versus yeah. just in yeah. life. Well, yeah. what's interesting too, exactly. man? Exactly. Just niche down. Does that make sense? You're, yeah. you're yeah. sort of yeah. niching yeah. down. And by the way, don't be mad about all those followers that are irrelevant. Who gives a that impresses the ones that are. There you go. No, that's so true. I, what's interesting about it right now, others probably see this too, is like we'll do other content that doesn't do very well. But if we stick in this motivational lane on TikTok, it tends to do well. Mm-hmm. Like we'll have, you know, we have a couple other videos that have done a couple hundred thousand and then some that are doing 15,000, 17,000 and then some that right. are lower. But it's, mm-hmm. it's like when the platform's telling you what people want from you, Mm-hmm. Do you encourage just feed it, just feed the beast over and over and over again? Is that your view? Yeah, feed the beast. because, And then just feed it with like a subcategory mindset. So like you just were doing. So it's, it's you're saying motivation, I'm, you know, for agents in a rut that used to have a team, you know, hey, if you're an agent and one of your agents quit, you know, mm-hmm. like sit up. It's going to be okay. Like whatever that. Yeah. So I, like, I know Veronica Figueroa, who I work with here in Orlando, she was my agent. She's just doing really good stuff. She's motivational and inspirational. So that's the, that's the strategy is she's going to motivate people. And then the, the smaller bucket, which is more of the tactic and the sort of actual content marketing plan is motivate women. 
motivate minorities, motivate entrepreneurs, motivate parents. See what I'm saying? Endless. So you're not even really going into one niche because each time you subcategorize it, you pick up a little bit from a new one. Um, That's so good. Yeah, that's a golden nugget for me. Algorithm for sure. Yeah, I love that, man. That's awesome. So I want to talk, you know, because I could pick your brain all day. I want to talk in your book, you had a a chapter that's should you use an ISA or an AI chatbot to follow up with your leads? I want to get your thoughts on the chatbots. We're doing some Facebook ads for some of our clients right now. And the Mm -hmm. big problem with Facebook ads is the conversion, right? Because you can get these leads coming in. And these people are converting at 1% to 3% if they are picking up the phone and calling, but they don't right. want to call, right? That's mm-hmm. the big pain point. What's your opinion? Should should you hire an ISA for your team, an inside sales agent, or are chatbots working? Yeah. Well, the, if you ask the customer, you know, it's tricky because the people that are serious, that want to do business, that are trying to reach out to a business, they want a person 74% of the time. They, they want a chatbot 3% of the time. So mm. the tricky thing is... You may convert some leads that you wouldn't have by deploying automation and AI, but you're also unconverting some of your best leads and nearly embarrassing your brand while you do it. When I talk to the agents that are the ISAs, that are the buyer's agents, that the AI is assisting in quick communication and trying to qualify, they're not reporting great results because they're basically saying that it kind of embarrasses them with people that really matter. Mm. And, it, and it sort of tricks people that don't. Um, so I, my opinion would be that a hybrid is much more preferred than just a chatbot. Uh, if you have people and some of the vetting filters, what I would do is go back to my other tip on social, keep it on social. Because if you send us a message for the price and pictures. And then they say, Hey, I want the price and pictures in a DM. Yeah. And then you say, great, where should I send them text or email? They say text is best. You can pull some of that off with many chat, you know, you can, and you can do the DM this to this on Insta and, and pull that off. So yeah, like it's tricky, you know, I personally, I know live chat, if you compare that to chat bots, people, when they go through the live chat and they have a chat with a person, they're 2.8 times more likely to convert. So wow. it I'm is a so high glad. quality lead. Yeah, I'm so glad to hear you say those stats. So because my gut, I don't have any stats to back it up, but my gut in working with real estate teams and real estate agents, like my own brother had a bot going for a while. And that's what I found. And for our own Mm. leads, do you know how we use Facebook Messenger's bot basically to respond? You would constantly see the drop-off from people who were actually interested but got upset that -hmm. they knew they were talking to a bot. We're kind of grossed out. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's like a weird feeling. And I'm just such a firm believer that, you know, it's difficult, but if you can get that person to be that cold caller on your team. It's not even cold calling, the, the warm caller on your <laughs> yep. team. Like that is going to do you so much more good and being able to qualify and be able to get those people into the right bucket on your funnel. And then you can drip on them for the rest of the time. I just never heard the stats before. So I'm super happy to hear mm-hmm. you say that because that's where my gut was going. Yeah. 
Relationships are the key to success. Right now, everyone in your database knows three to five people who need what you sell. So how do you get those valuable referrals? By connecting consistently and meaningfully. American Lifestyle Magazine is a high-quality, 48-page publication branded to you and full of amazing content your recipients will love. It helps you stay connected with your clients and sphere, keeping you top of mind for referrals. Want to see how it works? Get your free sample of American Lifestyle Magazine at ReminderMedia.com slash StayPaidSample. That's ReminderMedia.com slash StayPaidSample. In terms of like sales tools to increase like your engagement or your conversion, what are some of the sales tools you would recommend to people? Well, I think you uh, mentioned earlier, uh, may have been Josh, about like what changed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, in 2016, the sort of sales stack, you know, the tech stack for salespeople was CRM and a dialer. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and maybe a headset if they had a, you know. So what's come a long way and what's interesting to me, and there's a whole chapter dedicated to it, is the best sales tools that, and sort of where they can be effective. And it's amazing what's possible now. Like if you're running a big sales team and you're making lots of calls every single week, there's technology like Gong, G-O-N-G io. And it records the calls and it measures the sentiment and it chapters it and makes it searchable by keyword. So if somebody you know is on the phone and one of the big objections that keeps coming up is, uh, you know, I'm not interested right now. We're just kind of starting the process. I didn't want to speak to anybody yet. What do they say in that moment? What do they say in the moment when commission comes up? What do they say in the moment when they say, uh, we're going to talk to another agent? You know, so picture your coaching calls getting picture like real world sales calls getting recorded and then becoming searchable and indexable. So now all of a sudden I bring on a new agent and I say, hey, here's eight clips where our best salespeople got asked about commission. I got a library that's like situational. That's and, and Gong, they provide a lot of data in the book because they did the largest study of recorded sales calls of all time. Mm hmm. And they found things like top salespeople are pitching and talking about the terms and sort of starting to close at minute 42. Bottom salespeople, average salespeople, minute 14. Wow. There's, that's, there's a whole lot we could go down that path. On a call where an ISA books an appointment, so somebody calling just to book an appointment, they, they're called SDRs in Silicon Valley, not ISAs, but <laughs> same role, like book the appointment for the rep. Five minutes and 50 seconds on a call that led to an appointment that was booked. Three minutes and 30 seconds on a call that didn't lead to an appointment. Yeah. So when I have said in the past, conversations create customers, dig deeper, go to sleep, make yeah. sure you're doing feature benefit tie down and getting them to engage throughout your sales pitch. It was really fun. Kind of what you said, the data backed up what I always knew to be yeah. true because I had done the work. But when I saw the data through Gong, so that would be one is Gong that people can look at. But there's AI that'll take notes during your sales meetings. One of the really cool ones is called Sales Screen. Hmm. If you have a team that you want to do like a competition, so you do like a March Madness bracket, but to win a prize, 
you know, the most calls or the most appointments or the most contracts written. And you can do it in a scoreboard where everybody sees each other and they kind of progress through the rounds and there's a grand champion. We just did this with our sales team. So yeah, it's very relevant. Did it it lead to an increase in output? Oh, it led to a lot of uh, increase for us. Well, I should say competition, but yes, output as well. Yeah. Yeah, we used to do ISA day and it was like, you know, one day, everybody's an ISA. And by the way, on that one day, whoever books the most appointments... You know, gets a five hundred dollar gift. Wait, card. ISA day for the whole company, for the whole sales team. Oh, the whole sales team. Okay, yeah, yeah. The whole company. I was like, the whole company. dude, the whole company. That would be amazing. Yeah. Can you imagine software developers? ISA the, day. The sales <laughs> man. Yeah, that would not work. The sales manager, sick. the sales reps, put on the headset and they become an ISA. I One love at least I love that. Team in that. That that's sure awesome. ISA day. Yeah, and and just appointments like, whoa, through the roof. People are competitive. The prizes work, you know? So the sales screen. Sales screen, okay. uh, Yeah, it's really cool. Screenify. There's a few different ones that I mentioned, but uh, the output goes up and output directly correlates to results. Mm -hmm. Well, go ahead and let's dig into the, I know you you have this billion dollar sales script, right? And so I remember listening to your first audio book. And it made me, it was like for the first time I ever thought I could jump on the phone and sell. Just like, this is easy what he's going through. I don't want to give away the whole script. I obviously want people to buy the book to get it. But what about what kind of, I mean, maybe break it down to like the, the intro or something like that. Like what are you teaching people in the book in order to have increased phone time, right? Take those three minute conversations to five minute conversations. Take that pitch at 14 minutes to getting it to the mm-hmm. where you can do the pitch at 42 minutes. What, um, what are some of the tips you have there? Yeah, well, the script, I do give the script away, believe it or not. If, the, if people go to the conversioncode.com and just scroll down a little bit, the script is there. It's meant to be used as you read section three. Mm. People certainly could download it. And there's a lot of blanks. I don't know what your features right. and benefits should be. I don't know what your qualifying questions should be. I don't know what the nuggets are that you should do during your pre-call stock that you mentioned when you reach out to the lead. So, the, you know, it's a bunch of blanks. But if you read it, if you use it with section three, it's really powerful. Um, one technique that I kind of learned with my buddy, Phil M. Jones, we wrote another book that blew up called Exactly What to Say for Real Estate Agents. Yeah. That thing is popular. And Phil's a genius at, at sales. And what he developed is something that's easy to remember. Opening, fact, question, right? Like, so if you think about, you know, the pre-call stock, which is where you go into the CRM, like how many houses have they looked at? What's the price range they're looking? What's the area they're looking? How long have they been looking? You should grab like two or three of those every single time they can go into your opening facts, you know, question. So I would say, Hey, Susie, it's Chris. I'm calling from EXP. You registered to look at a property on our website about a year ago. It was in 90210. At the time, it was 2 million, right? Are you still looking to buy a home soon? Opening, fact, question. Mm. You, you know, and, but I don't you think that the fact is the thing that really makes that technique work really well? So that I think is sort of marrying the digital data, big data, CRM, like all that data that we have, you know, like I can call somebody and say, hey, uh, how's it going? I met you 
two years ago to Orlando City event, you registered to win a prize at our booth, <laughs> right? You, you've never reached out to us. We haven't spoken in that entire time. That's a fact, right? Mm-hmm. Question is, would working with a real estate agent help? Do you happen to be in the market for one or know yeah. somebody that is? Like, so anyway, I think the structure of the call, it's not really a script per se at all. It's, it's, a, it's a framework that you fill in the blank. But the digging deep technique is the most important thing to, to increasing talk time to get to your actual question. Yeah. And that would be something like, number one, you develop a power question. A power question is not what's your time frame for moving. A power question is not where do you want to move. A power question is how many minutes do you want your drive to work to be every day? Mm. Specific makes people think, put them in the situation that they would like to uh, achieve versus. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what could they say to that? They could say a lot of stuff. They could say under 30. Yep. Okay. Where do you work? <laughs> right. We'll go backwards. We'll figure it out. We'll put a circle on Google Maps. Right. So it's, it is absolutely like uh, digging deep is the question after the question. So you're developing a power question, which is not like the normal question they would ask. Hey, what's your budget? Right. You know, that's the normal question that people would ask. I prefer to say what, you know, what is the, what is the like payment that you want each month? Yes, exactly. You guys talk through that. So the specificity and then the follow-up, follow-up, follow-up. It's because the more specific, like when you give the fact or when you give a specific question like that, it it almost is like a pattern interrupt that the person spends more time thinking about what you just asked and the answer than they are about you being a salesperson or you, you know, trying to get something from them or anything like that. And when you give them that specific, like it just almost makes them, oh, they have to go and think about what you just said. And um, it causes yeah. them to think. There's actually a study, I haven't gone deep into it, but it's called Pattern Interrupt. It's this scientific research that was done around exactly what you just said. And that's really important to do. You know, and there's lots of different ways you could do it. Do you want to live closer to a school or closer to your job? Which is more important? So I would just say that that curiosity gets added, right? So it's like, how many minutes away? Like 10. Like, okay, do you, would you rather walk? Like, you might as well just walk if you're only 10 minutes away. You know, just sort of being in the moment, because if you have your power questions in place, you know, that's kind of your script. Mm-hmm. You can really listen to their answers. And most of the best answers don't come on the first ask. Right. Right. Yeah. Got to dig. Yeah. What I want to jump back for just a second, because you mentioned this idea of stating a fact, and we've had this issue and we've seen our clients have this issue with Facebook leads mm-hmm. specifically. And you mentioned the idea of, um, if it, let's use our example, because we our main call to action for generating internet leads is to view a PDF sample of mm-hmm. our product, right? And so when the sales call says, hey, I saw you requested a PDF sample, most of the time, I don't know if it's most of the time or if it's a lot of times, it's denial, right? I didn't do that. I didn't do that because I don't want to be sold. I don't want to talk to somebody. <laughs> what yeah. do you say when, like, obviously you can't come back and say, well, yes, you did. I see that you <laughs> downloaded it on yeah. March 22nd at 3.42 p.m. <laughs> what do you say, like, do you recommend getting that specific for internet leads or is there a way to pivot around it when they say, oh, I never did that? Yeah, I mean, you have to understand, and I have a graphic in the 
book that people kind of can take a test. I, I do a workshop and this one's actually really important for people because and I, I don't even know if you guys can see that. I you see probably bam. Can. Yeah, I see bam, but not the yeah. details. Just below bam is a, is a line that says quality on one side and quantity on the other side. And they're just directly related. So if you want way more, you know, the PDF download type of lead, the quality is not going to be as good. If you want real high quality, I can't get you nearly as many. I just think people have to understand that give and take and be okay with it. I'll, I'll give you an example. My book launch, I have four leads. Thousands of views, books sold, don't get me wrong. But the, the four leads that I have are amazing. Hmm. They're perfect. They're going to convert. I don't have to stress. I'm going to take my time with them. I'm going to approach it the way that it should be approached. And I charge a ton of money for that particular thing that I do. The, the certification and workshop where I spend two full days with their team. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what, what I would say would be, where are those leads? If I'm in sales, because the PDF ones are great, but like if we're getting both, we call those appointment leads. That's what they say like in the CRM. Um, what, I would, what I would say to answer your question directly about what should they say when they're a denier, choose something they can't deny. Hmm. So where do they work? What market are they in? What's the listing they have right now? Hey, you're the listing agent for 123 Main Street, correct? Yeah. Awesome. Point. Okay. Well, yeah, the so reason good. I'm reaching out is da da da, you know? Yeah, get um, them to engage. That's a really, really good golden nugget. You got to do that pre call stalk, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, the pre call stalk is critical. And that's something that, again, people will overlook. But, and I get it. Like, you downloaded a PDF a year ago. You know what I mean? Like, there's only so much you can do with that. Yeah. That would maybe, quite frankly, be a lead I don't chase. How many of those PDF downloads are you getting? What are you asking for when you get one? Add a bunch of questions and get less of them. Mm -hmm. Qualify more. Give a few required checkboxes about would you like us to follow up with you? You know, and that's another thing I learned, which I already knew, but the science is really interesting around the decrease in conversion rate as you add fields. Right. And I get that, but I got a buddy running YouTube ads for listing leads and seller leads, and he's putting them through six or seven questions. Wow. Yeah. On like a quiz. Yep. And when one pops out Super of the bottom, yeah. it's a listing. Yeah. So th that would be like, at least that's where my head's at is like, don't figure out how to improve that conversation. Figure out how to get rid of that approach. Hmm. Got it. Yeah, that's super powerful. Hey, man, I could talk to you all day. Everybody's got to go get the book. We'll uh, tell you where to get that in just a second. We ask everybody, though, that comes on our show, just would love to know in your life, have there mm -hmm. been any routines or are there any routines that you've implemented, things that you've done that you look back on and you go, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, that really actually has helped me. I, I would encourage my kids to do that. I would tell my brother or my sister, hey, this is a routine you should put into your life. Anything in your life that's really helped drive success for you? Yeah, that's a tough question for me. Be, just because like I'm, I'm bipolar, so I'm wired a little different than other people. Mm. But I would say that there's good and bad that come with that. And I would say that the good is this like blind confidence mm. and this sort of like grandiose 
mindset that like you can do big things with your life, which I should have never had. Um, And then the other thing is like, just with, there's just, I have more energy than other people. I just do. Mm. And if I add that energy and I focus it on stuff that I love, you know, I would say I probably went eight, nine, 10 years, just nonstop, uh, Mm. all in. And I've and I've I've found a much better balance now, but I I think that you have to be willing to like really kind of go all in for like five to ten years, not five to ten min- minutes or days or months. Um, and I and I think so. Energy is sort of specific to dopamine and serotonin, and it, like if you're excited and loving what you do. So for me, what I've had to just figure out is be okay with the stuff I suck at, get rid of that, hire people and pay them a little more than I should to sort of quality control it. Mm. And then I learned this from Eric Thomas. If you guys know who that is. I love Eric Thomas, man. (laughs) He said, let the talent be the talent. Mm. And I think for a lot of listing agents and top agents and influencers like you guys that are creating content, like... You're so good at that. You shouldn't have to edit it too. You shouldn't have to post it too. You shouldn't have to write the caption too. Like you did an hour. Like you see what I'm saying? Mm. So that that would be my mindset as far as like to maximize output matters, but what am I outputting that only I can output? But finding people on Upwork to help you, like freelancers to plug holes here and there, hiring companies like yourself to just get that whole bucket off your plate that's very freeing. You know, it eliminates FOMO. It frees up more time. So I guess my my long-winded answer here would be, you have to have belief in what you're doing every day and that it matters and that it's making an impact on the world and it's helping people, whether that's true or not. Like figure it out, fake it till you make it. That's why they say that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I, it's, a, it's a combination of enthusiasm and energy and execution. That would be trying to sum it up. I remember, um, do you guys know Nicole Nicolay? I don't recognize the name. Uh, I don't think so. So She she was like early influencer in social media, Nick Nick. You know, she was big on Facebook. She became an agent. She's still killing it. Like Hmm. super sharp. One of the first bloggers. Her husband was like a developer for RPR when that first was being built. Nicole Nicolay. And we were at a lot of the same conferences and she asked me one day, she's like, do you have alien blood? <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, dude, you just, you just like, it's hard to keep up with you. You're just constantly like putting stuff out there. And at the time, I didn't know I was bipolar. So I need to go back to Nicole and say, I do have alien blood. <laughs> you were right. You, were right. you called it. <laughs> um, but I, I'm just telling you guys that that hustle really matters. Yes. But it has to be a hustle that you enjoy. and then hopefully. That third bucket, which is makes you money. That's awesome. Thank you so much for yeah, being here, well Chris. Said. Before we close out, let people know how they can get the book and how they can connect with you. Yeah, obviously, Amazon is where most people buy their books, theconversioncode.com. That's where they can learn all about what I do, connect, learn more about the book, um, workshops, whatever else, social media, theconversioncode.com. Uh, it's great chatting with you guys. I, I, I want to become a semi-regular if you'll have me. Oh, man, absolutely. We would real quick. Absolutely uh, love it. Will there be an audio version of the new? Please, book? please say yes. 
Yeah. You know, what's so <laughs> funny is the books come out and everybody's buzzing and sharing their pictures and nobody gives me any feedback. And then the audio book comes out and I get all the love coming at me. So <laughs> it is critical. Dude, it's you reading the book. book. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, it's your passion, I'm reading it myself. Man. 90 days is the ETA. Awesome. Uh, all right. I love doing it. The feedback I got last time, they let me go off script a little bit. They let me those you know, you're not part. supposed to kind of go out of a certain range. <laughs> and I don't think I fit in that range, but they were cool with that. So yeah, oh, it's man. coming out, coming out soon. Awesome. Can't wait. Thank you again for your show, uh, for being on the show, Chris. And thank you all for listening to dive deeper into this episode. Get those links that Chris mentioned. You can go to staypaidpodcast.com. We also have the show notes and the video for this episode there as well. If you enjoyed this episode and want to share your support, really the best way is to share this episode with a friend. Share it on social media. Share it with a colleague. Anyone that you know needs to hear this or want to check out this book from Chris, make sure to share that. If you want to get hold of me or Luke, you can email us at podcast at ReminderMedia.com or you can find us on Instagram. We are at Stay Paid Podcast. For this episode of Stay Paid, I'm Joshua Stike. Guys, I'm Luke Acre. Chris, just awesome, man. Really appreciate having you on. We're definitely going to have you back. Really appreciate just all you've given uh, to the industry content-wise. Josh and I have been following you for a long time and have loved you guys' podcast, stuff that you've done, and then your books. So really appreciate that. Here's my action item for everybody, because we want you to take action on something out of this podcast. The golden nugget that really stood out to me was this idea of niching down and especially because it's so relevant to Josh and I on the TikTok content we're doing with this motivation content and how do we niche that down. And I think all of you should take a second today to think about, hey, what's your overall strategy? You heard Chris talk about Veronica and she has this strategy of inspiration and motivation. And then she niches it down to inspiration for women, motivation for my minorities. What is it for you that you go, okay, this is my strategy that I'm trying to do. How do I niche that down to make that even more targeted and more relevant? And if you're not even sure, you got to spend the time to go, what is your authentic passion in what you're doing? Whether it's in real estate, insurance, mortgage, whatever it is your business is, you got to find out what is that authentic thing that you love and then niche down to the people you serve. Remember, the difference between top producers and mediocre producers in every single business is top producers take action. Take action on that today. 